Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tanish Dimitri Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. This is an Irish Independent podcast. Hello and welcome to the left wing. Well, there's no end to the run of deflating defeats for Ireland in this women's Six Nations. They were beaten by Italy 24 points to seven in Parma on Saturday, which was just the second time that Ireland have lost to Italy in the women's Six Nations. So three games, three defeats, no points on the board. They are now fifth in the table above Scotland on points difference. Scotland were walloped 55-0 by France on Sunday. But Scotland have two home games to come against Italy and Ireland while Ireland have England up next at Musgrave Park this weekend and then they're away to Scotland in the final round. Now, former Ireland player Anna Capeless and Ali Donnelly of scrumqueens.com are here with me. Anna, before the Italy game last week and even with everything going on in the bigger picture after that report in the Telegraph, there was still some optimism that Ireland could do a job in, in Italy. But just like before the Wales game in round one, each time reality just keeps crashing in. And yes, we know the contracts have just been introduced just like they were for Wales last year and they managed to finish third in the table. But we know their setup is different with players playing in the Prem 15s. But we're just seeing again how far behind Ireland are compared to teams they used to beat regularly. Absolutely. And yeah, there's always... um there's always a bit of optimism. And even when you're watching and Ireland are putting together great phases, you're like, okay, this is it now. This is, this is what we know that those players are capable of. But yeah, like you say, like there's always something else that keeps cropping up. And in, in, in my eyes is never addressed fully. Um, I think the frustrating thing is that the the lack of, um, you know, hands up and admitting Yes, you know, the, the, we've got to, we, we know this is a problem and we're doing everything we can to address it instead of flat out denying that there's any problems within the IRFU, uh, you know, on the back of players anonymously coming forward to say, these are the problems I had. And they, that those players are very recent in the squad, like much more recent than me in the squad. Um, and you know the, the 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 kind of response was like well we think that that's not true like it actually it's just really disappointing and yeah we're so we're so far behind and obviously there's things being put in place it's very it's very difficult to to just wait to to see it happen especially when these claims keep arising and 
the girls are doing all they can to put in the, the performances that they want to. And yeah, it's just kind of skipped over once again. No, there's no problems here. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. And um, another kind of very frustrating week for the team and, and everyone around the team. Just staying with the broad view picture for a moment, Ali, you had an interesting tweet uh, yesterday. It was in response to a video clip that Virgin Media Sport put up and Fiona Hayes and Jenny Murphy were talking about uh, the how the team, how the squad would benefit from the experience of some missing players, the likes of Katie O'Dwyer, Kira Dr- Griffin, who retired a few years ago. And you said one of the biggest failings of those running women, the women's game in Ireland has been a diabolical lack of succession planning. We seem to start afresh every year with the RFU taking umbrage with anyone questioning why the team is in constant transition. This is a fundamental of any high performance program. That for me seemed to just get at the crux of the issue here as well. Yeah, look, there are so many issues that we could talk about um, now, but that is one of them. So, you know, since since 2015, 16, you know, if, you, if you're coaching an amateur team, which I've done at grassroots, towards the end of every season, even at that level, you put up on the wall who's leaving, who's going, which positions we're really stuck in and what we need to do over the summer to recruit. So even at the even at a quite junior level, that, that's part of it. That, that seems to not have happened or certainly not in a way that feels um, strategic in Ireland. So sure, lots of players will decide for themselves, maybe in their own minds, and they might not be forthcoming with that till the end. They want to step away or they want to do other things or take a break. But at the same time, we seem to be in a position where that's happening every year now. And, you know, you, you sort of say, you, you, you know, you start criticising what's happening and you, with the response you get, well, this is quite a new team as if that's just happened. And actually, there wasn't a plan in place for that not to have happened. Um, so I think that that was my point, really. So, you know, high performance programs are about many, many things. And there's lots of issues and challenges and uh, interesting facets to it. But but that is one. And it's actually quite simple, isn't it? If you think about the analogy I've just given where you write it on the wall. So I think that's unfair on the players as well, because we just always seem to be in this position where you've got inexperience. And it was interesting listening to some of the commentary in the Irish uh, broadcasters, obviously, I had to watch it over here on on BBC. Um, you know, the, the girls that were assessing it, so Jen Murphy being one of them, she talked about when I came into the team, I had people like Grace Davin and Lynn Cantwell either side of me. So she had that process of, you know, being brought in. And just to your point at the start, you know, Wales had the early contracts they had and they still finished third. I think the difference between Wales and Ireland last year, and that's why it's not comparable, is you could see the progress they were making. They won two games, you know, mm-hmm. and they started really well. The most we can now win is one, and I fear that we will win none. Um, so it's not, you know, when when people start saying, oh, well, look, we're in the same boat Wales were in last year, we're not actually. Uh, they were further along than us. So, um, you know, I, th- I think we should kind of squash that comparison if it's put forward. Anna, what do you think of that? I agree, and I think it's really point really well made. And I actually think to add to that, I think we have far more potential to have uh, to, to to actually in the future be a stronger like have a stronger domestic league than Wales, and not r- rely on the Premier 15s like Wales do, which essentially in the long run isn't gonna isn't going to benefit them. They've got to focus on themselves so they can build their domestic league. Like Ireland has that potential massively. Um, and, you know, there are there are talks about the structures that they, they intend on putting in place. But um, I fear that, you know, the AIL needs to just be like at the, we need to put so much more into the AIL and 
you know, make it so appealing that actually in the end, in a couple of years time, people don't have to go to England for rugby. If they're going for work, whatever, you can make it, you can facilitate that somehow. But actually staying in Ireland like it used to be was the best place to be. So actually Ireland has that potential and we don't seem to see it. We don't seem to, to believe that. But imagine if, you know, if, if everyone had invested like at, at the same level of England and everyone had those strong domestic leagues, imagine how good this tournament would be. But well, yeah. can I just say on that? I completely agree. We'll never have a league as strong as England's probably, certainly in the short to near term. But we will. We would have the massive advantage over Wales and Scotland of having everyone play together week in, week out. Now, when you put that to the RFU, they, they tell you that there are plans in place to make the AIL stronger and so on and so forth. And I think that's why we need, we need them to be out there. <laughs> Explain this to us. At the yeah. end of the competition, let's have a press conference with Kevin Potts, David Nusifora, saying... It's been a difficult season. We completely understand that the results have not gone our way. Um, very frustrating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But look, this is this is the start of a long-term change for us. At the moment, I don't really know. We we had some we had some kind of indication of change when Amanda Bennett's report came out. I see there's a consultation now about change again next year. Just come out and you know tell us. Because actually there would be a lot of goodwill, I think. If, if at the end of it, the chief executive of the RFE was owning this and saying, I get it, we have got the best men's team in the world. It shouldn't be this way that our women's team is struggling so much and we do have a plan. So I think the AIL is integral to that. But at the moment, I just don't quite know what the plan is. That would, for me, be massive. Yeah, for just them the clarity to say, as well. Yeah. Clarity and letting us know, because since I left the squad, I don't know anything and actually, weirdly enough, I, I, I chatted with someone in the pub in New Zealand and someone was saying, wow, they're they're doing great stuff in, in women's rugby in Ireland. And I was like, huh? And I kind of had my eyebrows up and she was like, yeah, I've heard about all these plans. I was like, how do you know about this? And I don't. And I've just heard it from someone I don't know in a pub in New Zealand. Why doesn't exactly what Ali is saying? And, and now, to be fair, I think that this could be in the line for, for, for Kevin Potts because I've heard really positive things mm-hmm. about him. Yeah. Um, I'd like to hear it for myself. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a former player, I'm a supporter, I'm a coach, I'm all these things. I want to know the promise. And like, I'm here, you know, s- sitting and we're talking about this again, but imagine if someone was able to reassure us, yes, we know this is a problem. This is how we're addressing it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes makes absolute sense. Let's just look at the game itself on on Saturday. Um, Anna, what were the big biggest kind of red flags for you? I mean, this was a game where Ireland they sixty two percent of the possession, sixty six percent of the territory. They were they were allowed to play here, but they just were not clinical enough. And can't finish it off. Yeah. And it's like that feeling of like, okay, something's going to happen here. This is it. This is positive. And then when they win that moment, it'll feed into the rest of the game and into the next 10, 20 minutes, whatever. And they just couldn't finish it off. But that's coming from the lack of experience, game experience and time together. That's that's what that's coming from, because, you know, if you're able to put together phases, really nice ones to, you know, to to win meters that's um that's not an accident you know you've worked on that um it just seems that this has been a trend going on for a couple of weeks now so now is the time to kind of i you know we talked the last time about okay what are they going to work on this week and will we see it next week 
I don't know, um, because, yeah, the stats come up. It's so cool. You know, it's great to have the stats appearing in the women's games now when you're looking at them and Ireland has so much possession and no points on the board. And it must be so frustrating for the players um, for them to keep, you know, okay, keep cool. And, you know, when you meet under the posts, what do you say this time? Like, that's going to be a big, big thing this weekend for, you know, up to now, like I'm sorry, we, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But just you know that that point of like meeting under the posts. How do you bring the players together and say, okay, now this is what we're going to do. We need to do this better. But the, yeah, the amount of possession we had and not converting it into um, points, and then the, the again the the missed tackles um, mm. was another is another continuing trend and something that didn't seem to improve that much. Um, frustratingly. Yeah, because you spoke about uh, the missed tackles and Ali, after the France game, you said these two weeks work in the defence. What did you see? Yeah, I thought our defence was very sloppy. Um, same issues we've had all championship. You know, you can't win test matches, you know, missing as many tackles as we are. I think it was 28 um, against Italy, which is just, you know, in a game where you think it's going to be competitive and a, a win is possible, it's just not good enough. I think for me, the frustrating thing about the Italian game is that we did for the first time put ourselves regularly in excellent positions to mm-hmm. score. So we were good enough to have, you know, to have built the kind of patience and, um, the, you know, that we were able to build the phases to get time and space in the opposition 22, but not good enough to convert it. And I think for that reason, this one is the most frustrating one of all, because I don't think you can pin the failure to do that just on inexperience. That's actually a failing for me kind of tactically and technically and the coaches are responsible for that. So if a team is good enough to keep giving itself time, space, um, opportunities right in front of a try line, n- being unable to convert that is, you know, w- what's happening during the week in terms of finishing skills and, and tactics and techniques, you know, a few metres out um, as well. So, yeah, defensively frustrating. But I think you look at it and you say how many opportunities we had to score. Italy had way fewer chances, took loads of them. Um, so I kind of came away just kind of annoyed mm-hmm. <laughs> and frustrated because actually we showed that we are good enough to beat a couple of teams this year. Italy, Scotland, probably the most realistic, um, but just don't have that kind of clinical edge. Defensively, you know, you're going to play England this weekend, we'll probably come on to that, but there's no greater thing you could focus on when you're about to play them. Yeah, of course. And you raised there a point that I was going to come on to anyway. I mean, we're three games in now. We know where we are in the table. Well, Ireland are just above Scotland on points difference. We know the lack of experience in this team. But Anna, despite all that, despite the inexperience, everything, is this, does this look to you like a well-coached team? Sometimes yes, and sometimes very much not. And going back to that point of like, you know, the, the kind of the, the set plays, um, and the launch attacks that they've been able to put together, great. Like that's they've <laughs> they they've put together that really well. I think what I'm what I'm laughing at here is that when I was watching the game with my Spanish teammates here, uh, I said, "Oh my God, they're playing like us," because we have had the problem of like putting things together but not mm-hmm. able to like actually create anything you know you launch and you go left and you go right and you use the forwards and the backs and you interchange somehow because and you do that so you can somehow create space somewhere and then it's just not appearing so you have you know individual players taking it on themselves like Derv who will go on a rampage so well Grace Moore did you know really well as well and some really like great individual performances um 
but I don't think, okay, let you go off on yourself now. I don't think that's part of the plan. So that seems to me like, yeah, the, the ideas have run out and that is, yeah, that, that's usually when you kind of get stuck in a phase like that, it's like you have a reset and everyone is clear. This is what goes on from here. And, and, and we're going to call it a secure rock. We set up and we go again. And, you know, not to, I, I think, I don't like when teams are overcoached anyway. I like when people like Derv, you know, who's so brilliant at that and, and, and other players, when they take those chances at the space, that's what you're supposed to do. But I don't think that's an element of the, the, the coaching. There's no, there's no one thing that we're currently renowned for. So there's no one thing in, in, in no one area in the... Well, in the scrum has improved. Like Dennis Fogarty has done a good job there. Yeah, the scrum, the scrum has been good, but I think it hasn't been dominant, but we've yeah. won our own scrums, right? So, which you would expect, but that is a good thing. I think, you know, I wonder, I'm not, I'm not in the coaching paddock during the week. So, I, you know, this is my, only my kind of thought on it. I wonder if, because there are so many problems now, that we're trying to sort of fix, we're, we're reactively trying to fix everything. Mm-hmm. So we that we don't have a USP as a team at all at the moment. I don't know what our attacking system is. I don't know what we're trying, you know, don't know what our plans, you couldn't really see a plan in the 22, just bash it up, bash it up until something happens or we'd knock it on or we'd have the ball turned over. So I wonder if there's a bit of that creeping in. And I, I do get that <laughs> as a, you know, I said at the top, I coached an amateur team for a long time and it's like, well, let's just try and like, do five minutes in the lineup, five minutes in the scrum, five minutes in the breakdown. I'm not saying that's what the coaches are doing, but it does look a bit like we're we're just trying to work on a bit of everything. Whereas I think even, you know, when Italy, for example, were bottom of the table a lot, you could still see their DNA. They, they try and play, right? And you saw it at the weekend. Now, now they've put the rest of it together. They still had something running through them that was definitively Italian for them, the Italian women's team, right? We I don't know what that is for Ireland now. But, but considering the inexperience, though, is it all like, and I absolutely get you, but it's almost like too much to ask them to have an identity no, when the, they're still the getting used to job. playing this level. Yeah. No. That's the coach's job, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, so I do, I think you're right to ask this question because it has been legitimate for the coaches to say up to now, hey, look at all the caps we have, it's very inexperienced, et cetera. But at the same time, they're in camp now. They've been together for a month or so working flat out on this. We should be seeing improvements. Mm-hmm. And we're only seeing little spike to that. So I think I think it's a good question to be asking. Yeah, um, just looking ahead so to this weekend and it's almost like cover the eyes. As I wrote on Saturday night, there's some kind of sadism at play that Ireland are playing England next up in this competition. I mean, we saw what they did to Wales. They were down to 13 players at one stage in the second half and they absolutely pummeled them. Um, I'm I'm afraid to ask what, 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 what are we looking at here? As a fan of Ireland, I think this is just going to be a very painful day for us. Um, England are a phenomenal team. We're a shadow of our former selves. That, that's where we're at. Um, I would argue that we're, you know, performance-wise, this is a weaker team all round. The one that went to Leicester and lost, what, 69-0 last year. And I hate saying that, but I think that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of uncertainties in sports, but one thing we can be absolutely sure of is that England are going to dominate possession and we're going to be without the ball for much of this game. So I think the focus for the week for the coaching team should be kind of clearly uh, looking at that, how we keep our shape, how we try not to eat against Wales. I mean, it was remarkable down to 13. They still looked like they had. It looked like Wales were down to 13 at times, you know. Um, the one, one of the things I think someone said to me a few weeks ago, and I, I kind of thought, no, that's ridiculous. And now I understand where they were coming from. They said, 
actually, I hope the Irish England game isn't on, you know, TV at home. I, I just think that would be very bad for the players. And I said, oh, that's ridiculous. Mm. But I can kind of see what they mean because actually it's quite from from a kind of interest in the team public support perspective. This is going to be difficult, a very difficult day, especially if you don't have the context of what's going on. So, yeah, I, I'm sort of dreading it, I have to say. I don't know. It's very hard. And how do you get in the mindset as a player yeah. when you know that you're probably going to lose a game heavily? Yeah, um, you just, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a normal um, reaction of like, you know, backs against the wall, nothing to lose. And, you know, you, you're relying on this absolute fire inside of you and everyone around you. That was always the way when we played England, because they've always throughout my career been the strong professional team and we were the unprofessional outfit. That was always the way. So now, yeah, given where they're at, how unforgiving they've been to the other teams, how ruthless they are, how brilliant they're playing, how strong they are, how well connected they are. And also the fact that they're going into France next weekend, you know, their biggest game. So they want all bases covered, which they did against Wales. You know, they had nine tries from nine different players, like some unbelievable, unbelievable, like performances from like, from some of their players, like Sarah Byrne front Mm -hmm. row, like, offloading making breaks down the wing they're just so multi-dimensional and as a player you know you'll do a bit of homework on that and you know usually you pick out your kind of key players to identify every player is a key player to so you can't gang up on one everyone has a massive individual responsibility and if it was me I'd just be thinking I am not going to miss a tackle it's not going to be me. I'm going to make every tackle I can for this team. Because that's been, like you say, Ali, you know, the, the attack will come, but England are going to have possession and they're going to want to break through and there'll be mismatches in defence, etc. But if when it's on me and my shoulders, I'm going to make every tackle that I can. And when I see my teammate on the floor, I'm going to pick her up and bring her with me and just not tire. I've had that feeling against England before, you know, obviously, like any sport, but like, you know, in, during a rugby game, there's phases of like, whew, but against England, you kind of need an extra edge to just say to yourself, like, I'm not tired. I'm keeping going. I'm keeping talking. And somehow you're able to do that. Like we were always able to, it's funny, like perform well against England, despite the final score lines, but achieve what you wanted to personally. Um, and if you go in scared, and someone runs over you and you kind of start to accept it in your mind, like, oh, yeah, this is what we thought would happen. Then you're losing. You just don't accept anything right up until the last minute. That's what they're going to be saying to themselves. Like, forget about the scoreline. Just go, 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 go. And like what I was kind of alluding to earlier about, like meeting under the posts, that's going to be hard for um, Nicola yeah. and for the other leaders on the, on the pitch. But that's where they'll remember that forever. You know, and the younger players will remember that forever down the line. So take they'll take the lessons from it. Yeah, I mean, I remember. Can I just say as well? You're so right. You remembered forever. I remember when, um, you know, Lynn Cantwell. I think it was one of her first games, if not her first, was the set was the record loss, seventy nine nil against England. And she, when they won the Grand Slam, and subsequent interviews often talks about that. You know, we were just grasping shadows, and and that was a a moment that lived with her yeah. and stayed with her forever. So you're right. Like, the, you know, in a way they're going to have to, you know, you would rather it wasn't like this, but experience this pain made for some of those young players, maybe in 10 years time, we'll be saying to Dan O'Brien, 
God, and can you remember that awful day down in Cork? Hopefully not. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, there's, there's something about that, isn't there? Okay. Well, Absolutely. And like, I, I, I was actually chatting to um, uh, Mike Ross during the week, who used to be our scrum coach. And I was saying to him that I remember what he said to us about him being in the dressing room versus England, however many years ago, that around the time when Ireland men used to lose to England massively. And he said he remembers that dressing room so clearly and that dressing room and that scoreline and that day is what changed the course of men's rugby in Ireland for the better. These days, you know, it's, 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 whatever the outcome Saturday is, if, is it going to be such a massive day in the history of women's rugby that it's going to change the course going forward that we can't let this happen anymore yeah i think that's a key point like for some people it might be a case of like oh turn away but really this could be a certain point you know for um the development of this team we'll see how it goes on saturday we'll be back here again next monday to review how that game goes but uh anna and ali thanks a million for joining me this morning Will and Luke will be here on Wednesday to go over the weekend that was in the URC and what's to come this weekend. Anna, Ali and myself will be back here next Monday to review the game against Italy and look ahead to that absolutely must-win game against Scotland in the final round. Thanks for listening. This is an Irish independent podcast.